Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host. Mike Angolano, and joining me, as always, is Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, how are you doing? Doing good. Happy to be here. Got some stuff to talk about with the Pistons and more Jeremy Grant stuff. It seems like that's a topic that is never really going to end until it actually ends with him re-signing or being traded or something happening with them. But there's always something going on with Jeremy Grant. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the playoffs a little bit, what it means for the Pistons. Uh, so excited to get into it and uh, just noticing that we're officially less than a week away from the NBA draft lottery. So obviously a lot of people on the edge of their seats waiting for the results of that to happen. So who knows? I mean, by next, my next podcast, this is our last podcast before we know where the Pistons will draft on June 23rd. So uh, excited to see where the conversations take us today and happy we're all able to do it together. Yeah, I'm still uh, still smarting after just finishing up watching my beloved Juventus uh, blow yet another game in horrible fashion. But hey, at least I'm here to talk about the Pistons, and they've never let me down. So, uh, no. Oh, Tigers, Jasper. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. No, let's <laughs> not talk about the Tigers. Hey, at least Rick Scuba looks good. Um, Faedo looks pretty nice, too. He, he had a really, really good game yesterday but boy oh boy i mean it's not just the tigers it's mlb offenses in general are horrendous um and somehow even then the the tigers aren't the worst (laughs) in baseball right now the the reds are just atrocious so it's been ugly there uh but you're right aaron we have a little something to look forward to with with the nba draft lottery coming up Another place where the Detroit Pistons have never let us down. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there was hey. a point where Josh Naylor drove in more runs than the Tigers scored in like three games. He drove in more runs in two innings. Uh, the uh, I'm pretty sure the New York Mets in their ninth inning comeback against the Phillies last week. I'm pretty sure they scored more runs in that ninth inning than the Tigers did. Oh, all last week. And I'm not joking. That's actually true. Yeah. Since that Jameer Candelario uh, home run, uh, yeah, the the Mets scored more runs in that ninth inning alone than the Tigers have since then. Naylor had eight RBIs between the ninth and 11th inning. Well, it's it's, – Or he had seven RBIs. It's pretty brutal for the Tigers right now. Uh, But you're right, with the NBA draft coming up, there's also a chance potentially for the Tigers to – the Tigers – for the Pistons to pull off a trade <laughs> and uh, maybe, you know, up their chances of getting a better lottery pick. And one of those teams that they might be doing it with 
one of those things they could be taking a swing on, you know, betting on their lottery odds with. Taking a swing on just more baseball references. I know. No, but one that they, they could make a bet on is uh, those very same Cleveland Cavaliers that you so very much love, Mike. Yes. Uh, and Cleveland sports, much like Detroit, has certainly never let anybody down. Certainly not the Cleveland baseball team up 3-1 to one against the Chicago Cubs in 2016. That's just – we know how that ended. But, yes, um, alluding to betting – of course, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I can't bet on, but you can, and you can through Bet Online. And our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V, you get a 50% bonus for your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Yes, Jasper, throwing more softballs up for me to hit. The <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers are reportedly interested in trading for Jeremy Grant. He's a realistic target. That's according to Evan Damrell of right down Euclid. Grant is eligible for a contract extension of up to four years and 120 mil this offseason. The Cavs could include players like Karis LeVert and Laurie Markman. And I've poked this around our group chat a little bit. They also have their first round pick after losing it um, in the, or, I'm sorry, after losing in the play-in that was destined for Indiana. Um, that uh, has a 97.5% chance of being the 14th pick uh, in the draft. Of course, the last lottery selection. Levert is due for $18.7 million next year. He's an expiring contract. Lori Markinen also has a, a very um, interesting contract in his final year. He only has a very slight guarantee in his final year. I'll have to look up what that guarantee is. But um, the Cavs interested in trading for Jeremy Grant. They are one of those teams in desperate need for the most important position in all of basketball. Everything else seems to be kind of okay. Point guard, Colin Sexton will come back. The bench is kind of okay. The bigs are obviously you know, locked down, but uh, they don't have a wing. So I'll kick it to you guys first since I'm the resident Cleveland Cavaliers not expert, but as close to expert as we're going to get for this podcast. Jasper, what are your thoughts on these two players, Karis LeVert and Roy Mark, and then as potential returns in a package for Jeremy Grant? I have to be honest, Mike, really not thrilled with it. Uh, I understand the appeal of getting that first round pick back. Obviously, taking a, another shot at the top of the lottery is always a, a worthwhile endeavor especially if you're a rebuilding team. Uh, but look, the Cavaliers only have a 2.4% chance of finishing with the top four pick, a 0.5% chance of finishing with the number one overall pick in the lottery. And I'm not sure that taking on the, the contracts of guys like Harris LeVert or Lori Markinen are necessarily worth it for Detroit, especially not in this draft. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, realistically who they're going to be picking if they were to trade with the Cavaliers, we'd be talking somebody like Jaden Hardy or Ochai Abaji or, or even somebody maybe like A.J. Griffin slips, uh, 
perhaps Jalen Duren slips. Like it, it's certainly possible that one of these guys wait, who potentially you have a little bit higher of a grade on slips down to that 14th pick. But for me, I don't know. Karis Levert hasn't shown that he can shoot consistently in like three years. Uh, Lori Markinen for me is not really superfluous with uh, or, or redundant, I should say, with Marvin Bagley the third on the roster. Um, he does play a little bit different. He is a stretch, <laughs> stretch guy who can actually shoot, unlike uh, unlike him. But like for me, I don't necessarily see how he fits into their scheme defensively. I mean, you certainly can't play him and Marvin Bagley together at the floor at the same time. And with Karis LeVert, I don't see how he necessarily fits into that wing rotation. Even if you are giving up somebody like Jeremy Grant, like I just don't really get that for me. He's somebody that needs the ball in his hands a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm not really thrilled about it. This isn't really the trade that I would be doing. I would rather just extend a superior player in Jeremy Grant than, you know, say, hey, in two years, we're getting $18 million back from Lori Markinen or Karis LeVert. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with with Jasper here. Um, I definitely don't think Lori Markinen is a need for the Pistons. Uh, I think if you're looking at Karis LeVert and Jasper made a point about his shooting being an issue, you know, he hasn't really shot the ball well over the last three years. He's only had one season where he shot above 36% from the three-point line, and that was the 2019-20 season. Since then, he's on the season been at 32%. Um, He's just not a very efficient scorer. His best basketball was in Brooklyn, and since then, it just really has not ever returned to that same level. He's a guy that misses a good chunk of games every single season as well uh, Mm -hmm. for one injury or another, and that's a problem that, I mean, we saw really hamper Detroit uh, throughout this past season. So it's not something that they can afford to do out of a guy that in reality, they would probably expect some pretty significant minutes from looking at where he would kind of slot in as uh, the two guard on our, on this roster. Um, He is a good basketball player, but at $18 million, uh, unless Detroit really doesn't have any plans uh, with their cap space and they're getting that first round pick uh, that's, you know, at the end of the lottery and they feel like there's another guy at the end of the lottery that they feel is going to impact this team for the better moving forward, then I guess uh, it would make sense. But from what we've talked about on the podcast before, and certainly the feeling is that this office in Detroit has to use some of that cap space to acquire a bigger name, a guy that's really going to help this team. Um, You know, it continues to be talked about that they're looking at someone like Jalen Brunson, who probably is going to command somewhere around $20 million a year. Um, They've got to re-sign Marvin Bagley. I I just don't know if this is the trade that makes the most sense um, for Jeremy Grant. I think Levert, the idea of Karis LeVert is better than what the iteration of Karis LeVert is mm. currently. He just hasn't been able to get back to that same level of basketball that he was playing uh, in Brooklyn. And that's unfortunate because I was also really high on LeVert when he was with Brooklyn. I mean, those teams with him and uh, D'Angelo Russell and some of those other guys, Joe Harris, um, it was a fun group. And that's when LeVert was kind of playing his best, but in a role where he has had to be more efficient, it just really hasn't happened with uh, the ball coming out of his hands more and him kind of having to defer to some other guys like in Cleveland with, with Darius Garland 
Uh, he just is not the same player. The shooting efficiency, the lack of spacing is certainly an issue. Um, and I just don't think it, that that's the trade that makes the most sense for Detroit. Unless, again, they really don't have any desire to, to use that money this offseason and feel that the first round pick is valuable enough to kind of wait a year on spending and see what they can get around pick 13, 14 uh, in the draft. Yeah, yeah, Aaron, I want to add on to that. I think you said it well. It's the idea of Karis LeVert because, look, I also, I loved watching him play live in Brooklyn uh, when when he was young. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, <laughs> I think there's this idea in a lot of fans' mind that Karis LeVert is still this really young upside player and Jeremy Grant is this aging vet. When the fact of the matter is they played against each other their respective freshman years of college in the Final Four. Um, they're like the same age. Karis LeVert is, I, I want to say like six months younger than Jeremy Grant is. Um, so that's another thing where like, that doesn't represent an upside for you from a talent perspective, from a age perspective, or even really from a contract perspective. So for me, I don't understand why you would do that if you're Detroit, uh, unless of course you really, really value that. 14th overall pick and you really don't value Jeremy Grant or like you said Aaron um, they're really thinking about saying hey we're gonna save our gunpowder for next offseason when they don't really need to renounce anybody other than Jeremy Grant in order to have max cap space so let me let me go ahead and throw a couple of things in there um not that this is going to change your mind at all, but Laurie Markin is only guaranteed for six million uh, in his final year. He will make sixteen point four million next year, seventeen point two million the year after, eighteen point zero four in twenty twenty four twenty five. But again, that's only six million if he's waived. Um, but Mike, probably doesn't were... move. Probably doesn't move the needle, but has a little bit more flexibility. And Levert is an expiring contract, so he would pull eight. 18.7 mil off the books for the Pistons if they are thinking of really diving in next year with even more cap space for uh, sure. available. That could happen. But Mike, you, so you're saying that a market and signed for not just next year, but the year afterwards. Yes. Correct. Yes. And so then it's the year after that where you can waive him for $6 million. That's correct. So you'd have two Boy. years of Lori Markkinen and probably a pretty tradable Lori Markkinen at 6 million guaranteed. That guarantee I think has to happen one day after the draft in 2024 or two days prior to the moratorium. So yeah, that's, that's not doing it for me. Sorry. Uh, that's, yeah. that's just not doing it for me. Locked in, you know, because he's not an, even an expiring contract until not this next season, but the year after. So you're probably having to wait another two years for me that, that throws your whole window off. Uh, that to me is not appealing right. unless of course, like, like we said, you know, they do it after the draft and Cleveland's got a top four pick in which case, well, okay, we can talk. <laughs> right, right, then it's all different. Now, Levert being an expiring, that's undoubtedly more enticing, right? 100%. For sure. I, I, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I can certainly see why Cleveland wants Jeremy Grant. I mean, I think, I don't know how you feel about it, Mike, but I feel like the fit there is really evident. And I think something with Jeremy Grant is that he kind of fits anywhere as a 3-4 that can shoot and defend and is athletic. Um, but he would really, really help that team. I just don't know if Cleveland has the assets that make it worthwhile for Detroit. Um, but, you know, I feel like Detroit might have been linked to Karis Liver before with, mm -hmm. with Troy Weaver. So 
maybe Detroit actually would have some interest uh, in acquiring him. So this is the trade I proposed because in that um, article from Evan Gamerl, they he mentioned the two second rounders as well. So the Cavs can't actually trade the 14th pick, but they can pick on behalf of the Pistons and then trade that player to the Pistons. That's how that's how they get around that. They can't actually allocate that draft pick because technically it is earmarked to Indiana next year uh, because it didn't convey. So that's the little that's the bit of gymnastics they have to go through. Um, but they can certainly trade the player that they pick at 14. Um, so I suggested Levert, both second rounders for the Cavs. And I will pull up the uh, placement of those two second rounders in a moment. So, but you're basically just adding a DeAndre Jordan trade on top. Like that's basically what you're telling. Me. Right. So it's two. Yeah. I think one of those seconds is a Houston second. I'll and... have to check that. So two seconds, the 14th pick and Levert. Now what's doing is we only heard this off season or I'm sorry, during the regular season leading up to the deadline that the Pistons were asking a King's ransom for Jeremy Grant and were pretty much stonewalled across the board. What do you guys value Jeremy Grant at? Knowing that if you keep him, he's due for you know, four, a four-year $120 million extension at age 27. Aaron, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, so I, the way I look at it is – and. I'm going to remain consistent with what I said throughout the season. I am pro re-signing Jeremy Grant. I think mm-hmm. long-term he's 26, 27 years old. You, you signing him to a four-year deal and it and ending at age 31 is like kind of perfect. Like that's right where you want to be as a, as a guy coming off a pretty hefty contract, because at 31, you can say, look, he's, either at the end or coming to the end of his prime, we've gotten our best years out of him. And now we can say, look, here's where the rest of our young guys have developed to. We've had a couple more drafts. We, now we have the money. Jeremy Grant is a, a good enough player that he can play multiple positions. So if they do draft a four, it still makes sense. It can still make sense to keep Grant because He's he's versatile enough to play multiple positions. You can slide Sadiq Bay down. You can bring Sadiq Bay off the bench. Maybe you bring the rookie off the bench. I it gets a little bit more complicated if you draft a four, but I still think that if they did end up with Apollo or Jabari Smith, there's still a world where keeping Jeremy Grant makes sense. I'm not sure if that's the most ideal situation. So if you do decide to trade him, um, it it's got to be for that same type of package that Cleveland's coming with, but probably a better player than a Karis Levert or a Laurie Markin. And like, if you still want to get a first round pick and, and add another young piece on top of what you've got in this draft, that's fine. But I, I think unless you're moving on, you know, unless you're getting a top six or seven pick, the caliber mm-hmm. of player has to be better than Levert. Um, I just don't know where that, that type of deal is going to come from. Uh, but I still think Detroit should keep Jeremy Grant. But I also see where people are going to say, look, if you draft a four, if you end up with Apollo or Jabari, it makes it a little bit tougher to see how they all fit together. And I do understand that. I just think Jeremy Grant provides a lot for Detroit that has gotten overlooked. And we saw 
how the Pistons got better and actually looked like a legitimate basketball team when they had the three of Cunningham, Grant, and Bay all healthy. So I, I just buy into that a little bit, I guess, more so than others do. But if they end up with a four in the draft, yeah, you're looking for a package that if you still want to get a first-round pick, that's respectable because that's what was talked about during the season when you were talking about uh, moving him at the deadline. But I think the caliber of player being attached to that first-round pick uh, has to be better than someone like a Karis LeVert or a Larry Markinen. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on this, Aaron. It's either or. It's either got to be a better young player or it's got to be a top 10 pick for me. And the Cleveland package, it, it's you're right. It's in the same ballpark, but it's just not quite sweet enough from either end of the, of the deal. I think something like for me, like a Gary Trent Jr. Uh, for Jeremy Grant package, and maybe you swap some picks in there. Uh, that would make a lot more sense to me if we're talking about young players or like we said, something with Portland where you're getting a top 10 pick, um, but maybe you're getting a lesser player as that you're getting basically, you know, uh, cannon fodder. Um, So for me, I think it is really in that I'm also with you. I'm totally fine with them re-signing Jeremy Grant. He just turned 28. So when his contract ends, he'll have just turned 32 you're completely correct in saying that's the perfect time to, you know, those are the peak years for a player in the NBA these days. You know, it's a little bit different than it used to be. You can be, if you're a player that's as versatile as Jeremy Grant, that doesn't need to rely exclusively on his athleticism um, or exclusively on scoring exclusively on whatever it might be. Uh, If you have a player like that, you can use him very, very productively for the next four years. And if you're planning on being a better team, then shoot, a guy like Jeremy Grant is the type of player that a lot of teams in the NBA need. That's why you're seeing him thrown around in so many trade packages. Don't fool yourself. Like, look at look at the Nuggets. They would kill to have Jeremy Grant back on their team, and they were willing to pay him the same amount of money the Pistons are willing to pay him to have a lesser role, to have that role that Aaron Gordon is supposed to be playing on this team when they're fully healthy. So the way I look at it is either way you're going to be okay whether you extend him or you trade him, but that trade package has to either be, Hey, we're getting like a really solid pick and a real good shot at at getting a impactful player. Cause we've said it a million times. That's what this team needs. They don't need more good players. They need a great player. They need another star. And uh, the only way they're going to get that is, is by either trading for one that develops into a star or by getting a really high pick um, that can develop into, into that guy next to Cade. One final comment to piggyback on what Jasper was just saying, and it's actually kind of ironic because last week we talked about overvaluing people, overvaluing their own team's assets. Um, But I think on the flip side, Jeremy Grant is an asset that maybe gets undervalued by uh, people because like you said, there's a reason every team wants him. There is a reason that Denver was going to pay him the same amount of money that the Pistons paid him to play a lesser role. Like, he is a very valuable player and he has lived up to the $20 million a year that he's getting paid. He's going to be available at the prime of his career. There are going to be so many suitors for grant, which is why the Pistons should be holding out until they get that top tier offer that maybe only comes around once, maybe twice. They shouldn't be pulling the trigger too soon on an offer that they could probably get from six, seven other teams. Okay, let's, um, because I have one more 
little set of scenarios here. We only have two topics for today. So um, I'm going to try to synthesize this as much as I can. So I just recently wrote a piece for SB Nation's Fear the Sword uh, regarding the Cavaliers having to pick between Karis Levert and Colin Sexton, essentially. And everyone, of course, said, Colin Sexton, no question. If you're going to extend one of these two, obviously you're going to extend the player who um, is not Karis Levert because he was terrible <laughs> with the Cavs for most of the year. Um, they Now, the reason that I had that uh, article idea and wrote it is because the Cavs are about to get extraordinarily expensive. They are going to offer a max contract to Darius Garland. He will not accept any less, so they should just accept that first. They're going to have to pay one of Sexton or Levert to fill out the two-guard spot. They're, they are going to have to unless they sign neither and go off the wall and have some other plan. And they're going to be extending Evan Mobley before they know it. So they're about to be an, an, oh, and uh, Jared Allen's extension is about to kick in. So they are going to be very expensive. Does a player like Isaac Okoro move the needle anymore as a young wing defender? Not mm. for me. Not for me. I don't know if Jasper. No, no, not, re- not really. I, I mean, to me, he's just, he's a role player. So I, I don't see him ever being more than, a rich man's version of what he is right now, which is okay. But for me, that's no, that's, I, I need somebody that's going to give me impact again. Like I, that's, I, I feel the same way that I said before, it's got to be either, or it's got to be a guy that I can develop into a, at least Jeremy Grant level player, or it's got to be a pick that I feel I can get a player that can, that I can, you know, mold into that. So no, that doesn't really change anything for me either. Sorry. Sorry to say, Mike. No, no, no. That would be in addition to somebody like Levert or Markkinen. And just to go over Isaac Okoro, and the only reason I bring this up, I really like Isaac Okoro. I don't want the Cavaliers to trade him, but if they are adamant about getting Jeremy Cran and getting a wing who has some more offensive chops than Isaac Okoro, and Okoro is, a, I mean, I think a much better defender. He's the Cavaliers, arguably their, I mean, he's definitely their best wing defender, although Evan Mobley is shockingly almost just as good. Um, Okoro did improve quite a bit. His effective field goal percentage was noticeably higher. His three-point percentage went from 29% to 35%. Um, he, and he is 21. So he, he would be a sweetener in addition to taking on someone like Levert or Lloyd Markkinen with the 14th pick in the draft and with those two seconds. So, because I'm trying to look through the salary uh, situation for the Cavs and who they have at their disposal. And I just... Just don't I don't think it, really think there's one that that really fits. Yeah, I just don't think it works. I, that's my problem with it. I, look, the Pistons are in a position where they need top-level talent. They don't need another logjam at their wing positions. And I just think they have too many options that are okay but not great there. And for me, Isaac Okoro is just adding on to that, you know? Like, I like Sadiq Bey. I like Isaac Okoro. I, um, I, I like a lot of these guys, but... I just am not sure necessarily where they fit into the Pistons long-term when you have a bunch of them. I look at that almost as being, and maybe this is a bit ironic because losing these guys actually hurt Portland a lot, but I look at them sort of like when um, Portland had Alfaruk Aminu and uh, Mo Harkless, and they kind of had this logjam of mediocre wings that were good enough to get them into a good position, but not good enough to ever put them over the top. And that's what I worry about. Um, I just need more. I need more if I'm going to trade Jeremy Grant. Okay. I have one more scenario then. 
Um, let's say they bet on Karis LeVert rebounding and they offer up Colin Sexton in a sign and trade as part of a package. Eh. Eh. I, I just think it's more makes more sense than to just go out there and, and sign Colin Sexton if you're the Pistons. That's what I do. That as well. Yeah, that's what I do. Is that's what I would do. It's just not worth it to me. I, that's just me, though. You know, I, maybe Troy Weaver feels differently, uh, but for me, that's just taking on like. Uh, for me, it's like it's like taking a lot of. I, I hate to use a Bill Simmons uh, analogy here, but he when the when the Nuggets pulled off the Lamelo uh, the Mello trade, you know, when they traded Carmelo Anthony to to New York, they got back a lot of like okay guys, and it just didn't really go anywhere. Uh, that's kind of what I see it. His analogy was like, it's like trading a dollar for, you know, four quarters. I don't need four quarters. I need a freaking buck on my team. That's what I need. I need, I need a whole ass dollar bill in my pocket. I need to buy a soda. I don't have time to mess around with four quarters. Okay. Aaron, you're in the same boat then. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think so. Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry hey, I, I, no, no, no. I don't think the Pistons <laughs> should actually trade him to Cleveland because that's not the best possible package I think they could get. Wings are literally – I mean, we're seeing Mikhail Bridges-type players be super important. We're seeing the Toronto Raptors, you know, if they were healthy, have a reasonable chance to take out the Sixers, and they're all loaded with wings beyond belief. So, I mean, wing is the most valuable position in the NBA, especially if they can do it in a two-way nature. Um and the Pistons have one. They have a pretty good one who's kind of underrated and is still fairly young. And a lot of teams should be jumping at the – I mean, if any other team caught wind that the Pistons would be okay with trading Jeremy Grant for three picks and Karis LeVert, some other team would come in and be like, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. We'll come in and give you this. And, and I think teams could beat that offer pretty, pretty handedly. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think that the Pistons should even trade him to Cleveland because that's not the best package that they can get back. I'm just trying to workshop that idea because he does fit exactly what the Cavs need, a wing defender, someone else who can create their own shot as much as watching Jeremy Grant isolations and early on of this year made me want to fall out of my chair and die. He is a guy who can create his own shot. He, he is what the Cavs need. Um, they're just going to have to look somewhere else. I have a feeling they can pursue him all they want, but um, the Pistons should have better options available if, if it ever even came down to that. Okay, guys, we're going to take a short break and um, all of our listeners want to take a quick moment here and uh, you're going to hear something from one of our sponsors. So we'll be right back. So our second topic of the day is about the NBA playoffs. Of course, the most important thing happening in the NBA right now um, unless you really care about Mark Jackson that's not getting a job still um, and Mike Brown continuing to get a job. I think Mike Brown is – he either was just recently off the Cavs payroll or he has like one year left. Um, Hell yeah. He's on that – he's on that – Pretty ridiculous. <laughs> he's on that Luol Deng, Timothy Mozgov pack. Love it. Yes. And I saw the Cavs are still paying J.R. Smith. So we all have our – every team has their little skeletons in the closet. But anyway – the NBA playoffs are here. We're going to try to link it to the Pistons in some way. We did that a little bit um, prior about Utah and Dallas, and Aaron has already brought up Jalen Brunson. 
And Aaron, because you brought up Jalen Brunson, do you think Jalen Brunson being pretty good in the playoffs? I mean, he really just picked apart Utah when Luka Doncic was out. Has Jalen Brunson playing well shot the Pistons in the foot a little bit? Because now he seems indispensable to Dallas. Yeah, well, this is something that Jasper and I talked about last week, and it makes us sound like really, really picky because we just like essentially said no to everything that Cleveland had to offer. But <laughs> neither of us were really high on the idea of adding Jalen Brunson to the team either. So um, he has played well in the playoffs. He had a couple rough games to begin the series against Phoenix, but he has bounced back to, to be fair. He has had a couple nice games um, against Phoenix to kind of recalibrate, I guess. Um, but he's just not a guy that I think is the best fit for the Pistons. I saw another report today, though, that the, the Pistons are going to, you know, be uh, one of the teams along with, I believe, New York and Indiana uh, that's going to be targeting Jalen Brunson. Oh. Why the why in the world the Pacers uh, want Jalen Brunson? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, what are they doing in Indiana, dude? Seriously, what are they I doing? Really, they I really have for no Tyrese idea. Halliburton? And don't they have Malcolm <laughs> Brogdon? Yes. Well, Malcolm Brogdon is eligible to be traded this offseason. He wasn't eligible to be traded last year because he just signed an extension. Okay. But so I wonder if they're going to try to move him. That, yeah. Maybe, maybe I, mean, sign I would have to hope so if you're going to get Brunson. There's no need to have Brunson, Halliburton, and Brogdon. But, and Buddy Heald. And Buddy Heald, yeah. So there's he just have all the guards. Right. I, I'm not super high um, on the idea of Brunson. Uh, we talked about it last week, so I don't, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail. Um, but he's been he's been good for Dallas, and I don't know if Dallas really should be trying to lose him. Um, they're but they're like they're they're a team that's a player away. I feel like what Luca's doing with this team to have them competing against Phoenix is pretty special. And it, it, I mean, it's unfortunately for Dallas right now, it's just kind of hoping that one or two of their their wing guys end up getting hot for a game, and while Phoenix is you know, glued onto Luca. One of those guys is able to just kind of be a catch and shoot marksman for a game. Like it was Maxi Cleaver when he went four or four, then Dorian Finney Smith's had a big game. They're like an all-star level player away from, I think legitimately being title contenders. Uh, if they're able to keep Jalen Brunson too, that would help them. But for the Pistons sake, I don't, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that Jalen Brunson's showing that he's very important to Dallas, because I don't think that's the best way for Detroit to spend their money either. Well, it yeah, may I mean, be beneficial for uh, the Pistons to have him play well and get priced right out of their range or to, where like, to wherever they're comfortable and force the Mavericks to, you know, to pay him. Sure. And, and I think there's also this part of it, too, where it's like, yeah, Brunson is indispensable to, to the Mavericks. But part of that is because the team, other than Luka and him, like, it stinks. Right. They stink. Like, Dinwiddie, that trade completely backfired. Although, yeah. I don't know, did it? Did it even backfire? Because it's not like Kristaps Porzingis was exactly, you know, awe-inspiring in the playoffs the last two runs. So, for me, part of that is just, like, that whole roster is messed up. Yeah, um, they are in desperate need of some, like, a talent booster. An all-star level player. It's, they it's need an all-star very, level player. It's very 2007 Cavaliers. LeBron and stuff around him that obviously was all elevated because LeBron was that good. Honestly, it's a lot of like mid two thousands teams when the just yeah. <laughs> talent in the league was not as good, and you had a bunch of guys on teams like your Antoine Jamesons and your Corey McGettys and these dudes who were fine players, but just like 
not guys that if you're really like in today's game would be anything close to 20 point per game players. Like they just wouldn't have the same stuff. Drew Gooden, your John Salmons, like that's the kind oh, of players that awesome. should be on this Mavericks <laughs> team. It feels like it's just, ugh, eh, I don't like that roster. Uh, Luca is Butler. a monster. I know. Yes, exactly. Basically anybody other than Gilbert Arenas um, on those, yeah. on those, on well, those, those Wizards rosters. Wizards. <laughs> but really, like, I look at that team, and I think it's good on Dallas for even keeping this series so close because you look at those respective rosters for, for them in Phoenix, and it's like, I mean, yeah, to best player, uh, I think it's Luca. Second best player, third best player, fourth best player, fifth best player. I mean, like, really, throw Brunson somewhere in there, but, like, Phoenix might have seven of the ten best players in this series. So good on Luca and, and, and Brunson. But for me, like we've broke down multiple times on this podcast, I'm just not – the defense scares me. I'm not convinced that on a better team, he's necessarily going to have the same role. And if the Pistons are interested in, in really contending, just for me, I'm not sold. And it's funny that we're saying this a week after chiding Pistons fans for overrating their own prospects and their own players. But for me, I don't know. It doesn't quite do it for me. Would you trade Jeremy Grant for Zion Williamson? We're not doing this again. <laughs> We're not doing this again. I saw the comments. I read the comments. Are you are you people happy? <laughs> uh, are you not entertained? Really, it's what it what it is. Um, yeah, what Luca is doing is is pretty remarkable, and that's a testament to his greatness uh, for sure. And we already talked about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and. All things have been quiet on that front, and Donovan Mitchell was very non-committal about the Utah Jazz and remaining there. And Rudy Gobert, we've talked about trades constantly. I was listening to the Hoop Collective; they had the same ideas that we did. Mm-hmm. So obviously, someone on the Hoop Collective is listening to our podcast. I see Windhorst. Brian Windhorst, Windhorst. fellow Kent State graduate. Uh, he's obviously just following other Kent State graduates. But uh, so we've talked about those guys. Um, what about anything in the East? Anything anything of note for the Pistons in the East? I'm, I'm trying to think of it. I mean, it does seem like Philly is kind of in a weird place because if they lose this series, which I think they will, I mean, they've done a good job of at least winning two games, but I just can't see them winning this series against Miami. It does seem like maybe they're going to have to blow it up a little bit, but, like, who are they going to move? Tobias Harris? Uh, well, I mean – you know what I mean? A Jeremy Grant Tobias Harris swap seems a little nonsensical for kind of both teams in that sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think Milwaukee's making any big moves. I don't think Boston's making any big moves. But if they'd like to, you know, trade us uh, Jalen Brown, they're more than more than welcome to. I happily, happily will go for that. I um, think yeah. the next team that has to pay James Harden. Oh, yeah. Well, wow. that's I, that's very interesting because in game, I mean, it's not interesting to think that I would I'd be very hesitant to pay him too. his. He, he looks toast. Uh Oh, he so looks popular. toast. I know that's a, another uh, potential sponsor. I'm um, looking at you, uh, Landshark. They never got back to me on Twitter <laughs> about that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. The East teams are just kind of all set. Milwaukee just needs to be healthy. And I feel pretty confident that once they get Chris Middleton back and they're not, um, you know, and Drew Holiday is able to shoot again because he hasn't been able to for the last like, three games, uh, that they could steamroll just about anybody that they want to because they have the best player on the planet. And 
that would be, of course, Giannis instead of Kumpo. So I think they're all kind of set in stone for the East. Um, maybe maybe things, one things should get interesting with James Harden. So maybe one team that I'll throw out there that was eliminated, uh, that didn't even make the playoffs would be Charlotte. I could see maybe something around Scary Terry. Uh, I could maybe see something around Gordon Hayward. I know both guys are over a little overmatched and Oof, yeah. overpaid. Um, but if you're getting back assets, you know, I, I could talk my way into that for Jeremy Grant. Um for me, though, I really do think it's it's probably the West, which is where we're going to be seeing those most attractive trade packages. Yeah, and you think about the West as a uh, – that's going to be an absolute bloodbath next year. I mean, if, if, you, if you figure that the Lakers will get healthy, if the Portland Trailblazers will be healthy, if Zion Williamson comes back um, – that will be a very – and, you know, all the other teams take steps forward. You know, Luca and the Mavs continue to improve, and, you know, the Suns remain good. And, I mean, even Golden State getting – I know this might not seem like that big of a deal, but James – you know, getting James Wiseman back. I think the West is just going to be an absolute bloodbath next year of teams. And there are going to be teams that don't make it in the West next year, and they are still very, very good teams. Um I do think there could be a lot of movement West. And I, and I think Jeremy Grant to Portland still makes the most sense for both sides. Portland needs another guy to put next to him. I, I, I read that the Blazers are interested in Zach Levine. I, I don't know if he'll be moved from Chicago, but there was, he, you know, he was kind of sketchy in his exit interview um, with the Chicago Tribune about taking all of his options seriously about free agency thought that was kind of interesting to hear. Um, I don't know why he'd leave the Bulls, but so there's a lot of moving parts out, out West that I agree, Jasper, are just going to be really interesting to watch from here on out because a lot of those teams might try to force themselves into a trade to move up a spot or two in the West, or they may just say, yeah, you know, we're old and not good. We're just going to, we're just going to mail this one in like the, like the Utah Jazz. They go, okay, with this ran course. Quinn Snyder has aged exponentially. Uh, from his, from when he took the job to now, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have run its course. We we wouldn't feel confident in that. We'll just move on. So I I agree. The West is going to be very intriguing. And the you one, know what? If, oops, sorry, Aaron. Please. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to take us in a different direction. Just real quick. Oh, because so just quickly one say. last thing I was going to say. You know, if they do Zach Levine thing, maybe they do a sign and trade. Maybe Anthony Simons ends up moving to um, the uh, the, the Bulls and potentially there, maybe the Pistons get involved uh, with Jeremy Grant moving to the Bulls as well. Maybe they just turn around and, and flip Anthony Simons to the Pistons. Uh, that's something that, you know, I don't think would be completely unrealistic. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Anthony Simon would be a nice, a nice piece for Detroit to get. I think he showcased some really nice things. The like couple weeks he got to play in Portland before he essentially got shut down. Uh, for the for the year after like the CJ trade and everything uh, taking us kind of back a little bit to the Eastern Conference like the one player still in the playoffs that I feel like could end up finding his way on the Detroit Pistons by next season is Duncan Robinson uh, under contract through uh, the 2025-2026 season but that final year is only partially guaranteed uh, it's like just under 10 million of it is guaranteed and the full value of the 
contract that year is just under 20 million. So it's essentially half of it's guaranteed. Um, the contract is an escalating contract. So he's going to make just under 17 million next year, the year after that 18, the year after that 19 million. Um, Detroit desperately needs shooting the John Beeline connection. I certainly feel like might play a factor. Um, I don't know what Detroit gives up in that. I'm not sure where, how Robinson is viewed around the league. I know he has not gotten in a ton uh, with Miami. I know he sat like the first or the last couple of games and then most recently played like five minutes or whatever in a game. Um, I don't know. I feel like he could be useful for Detroit. It's just a contract that makes that so hard to, to sit. And I, and I mean, it's also a long-term commitment. You're paying him for the next three years. And then that fourth year, you're still probably paying him half your contract. If you cut your ties with him, unless then you're able uh, to trade him to another team. But I don't know. I don't think it would be necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it, it, it definitely wouldn't be the best way for Detroit to use some of their cap space, but they do desperately need shooting. I don't know. I just feel like there there might be something there with Duncan Robinson. I'll take Max Struess instead. Yeah, he'd be a lot cheaper, wouldn't he? Would be a lot cheaper, and I think you could maybe get a pick out of him at the same time uh, if you trade for him. Maybe also take on the Duncan Robinson contract if Miami's not sold on it. And, hey, maybe you get both guys, you really fix your shooting problem, and potentially you get a pick out of it. So I'd throw that out there as well. I, I don't think it's completely unrealistic. Um, but yeah, I, at that point though, it's like, Hey, you know, I don't know. Might as well just take the Cleveland deal. I, I don't know. Cause yeah, I, eh, eh, it's not don't super inspiring. I, yeah. And Mike said it best. I don't think there's really much in the East that's going to attract the Pistons in terms of teams necessarily going after Grant with feasible options. I think a lot of that's going to come out West. Um, I and, mean, and Dallas, if- we talked about Dallas, Dallas would be a great landing spot for Jeremy Grant, but. And I, and I don't think it's unrealistic if Jeremy Grant does get moved, and I'll just throw this last thing out there uh, before we do wrap things up. Uh, I really think that there is a good chance that the Pistons could get in on like a three-team deal and that Jeremy Grant could be the guy that really helps facilitate the movement of a young player that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise uh, in a potential three-team sign-and-trade uh, because there are going to be some big-name free agents that might not necessarily be Feasible just to throw the bag at, but you could get if there's other contracts involved uh, and other players involved. So I'll throw that out there as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Jeremy Grant get moved in something that we're really not expecting because other teams have needs as well. And uh, things that might not seem feasible to us from a one to one perspective can make a lot more sense when you get another squad into the mix. So Let's do last a uh, bit before we end the podcast. Something that sort of came out today, actually, from the Brooklyn Nets as a potential. Now, this isn't going to impact the Pistons in any way, but it is going to impact chaos in the East, which the Pistons could benefit from, uh, is Kyrie Irving. And Sean Marks saying during a media briefing today that um, they're going to prioritize availability in their players. Um, Kyrie Irving was not available much this year. And when he was available, he was, he, he was fine. Um, do you think that with all the turmoil that the Nets have gone through, um, I guess this could also mean Ben Simmons because he was the very definition of unavailable, um, a potential shakeup with Brooklyn. Kevin Durant's not going anywhere, but Kyrie Irving has a 36 
$1.9 million player option for next year. And then he's off the books. Um, could anything out of Brooklyn, well, really, if anything like that happens where Kyrie's gone or Ben Simmons is moved, that would once again, you know, incite panic in the East. But could anything like that getting feasibly happen? I it thought it was be, very interesting to hear Sean Marks say that. It was, and it would be absolutely hilarious if after everything that transpired this season, Kyrie Irving is traded. I, it would be absolutely hilarious, and it would almost feel like almost feel like it was bound to happen, but just with how everything played out with Brooklyn this year, they never were able to see James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant at full strength. They had been waiting on that for, you know, being able to, take over the East with that three-headed dragon, and it never, ever happened. It was Kevin Durant just saying he wanted to play basketball, and then James Harden saying, you know, he wanted to – or he he wanted to play with guys that were available and, you know, didn't like that he was having to carry such a heavy burden with Durant out a lot of the regular season with some injuries and then Irving um, you know, not being vaccinated. It'd be hilarious if that's how it ended. And then it's Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and who knows what else um, in Brooklyn. But – yeah, very interesting that a general manager, especially knowing the spotlight and, and knowing the the right. stuff knowing that's going to be generated out of what you're about to say, it's very interesting that Sean Marks went out and said that. And, you know, part of me is wondering if Kyrie's going to respond to that in some way, shape, or form because I definitely oh. wouldn't put it past him. Oh, man, that would be so funny. No, it, it would be really very poetic uh, in a way for Cleveland to have – or Cleveland – for the Nets to have made that disastrous trade to build that super team with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Brooke Lopez and Joe Johnson and Darren Williams, and they just blew it. It never even formed into anything meaningful. Oh, they blew it, but then that's okay. They they bided their time. They ate those draft pick losses to the Celtics. Oh, it hurt, but it was all worth it because they put together an offseason where they got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and then they traded for James Harden. And then, oh, they uh, didn't play together ever in the playoffs. Oh, oh no. They it, played it, like it 78 games together total. How poetic would that be? It's a Greek tragedy uh, in, on the hardwood itself. So, yeah, I think it's absolutely telling that Sean Marks came out and said what he did. He's it's definitely not for nothing. No, and I don't and I don't think for what it's worth that he said it about he was saying it about Ben Simmons. I think that he was saying that directly at Kyrie Irving. I and, completely uh, agree. Yeah. And, and so agree. For, for me, I think that you're hundred percent right, Mike, if Kyrie Irving is traded, that is only going to cause chaos. That's a big contract. That's going to have to cause other teams to have to move around big contracts as well. So, uh, and probably picks too, while we're at it. So yep. I, absolutely. Like I was saying, if, if the Pistons can do something like Indiana did a couple of years ago, getting into that hardened trade, um, they can absolutely figure something out to move something yep. for maybe something a little better. Yep. And they will have, well, they're probably gonna have to re-sign Bruce Brown because he proved invaluable to the Nets, which I is a very bizarre sentence. I never thought I'd say that Bruce Brown as the big has become indispensable to Brooklyn. Um, but they're gonna have Marcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, James Johnson, and Andre Dr- They're gonna have a lot of people come off the books, actually, this next year. So it'll be very interesting. Guys, I, I'm sorry I missed last week. I'm looking forward to these excellent podcasts each week. We actually have more to talk about next week as the NBA draft lottery will have already happened. Um, 
And after that, we could start to really speculate. And I think that's when we could start to talk about more moves being made after the lottery, knowing where each team is going to pick that will really set things up. Um, and I greatly look forward to talking about that. We have bided our time well. Uh, and then after that, it's going to be drafting Aaron's uh, summer league. And then, <laughs> and then Jasper and I may never have to talk ever again. I think it will be <laughs> all set. Uh, we'll just, we'll just wait. And uh, Aaron, will talk about, the summer league championship roster take two i'll just be doing those podcasts solo you guys can like plan your vacations uh <laughs> around summer league this year I, I i'll be fine to just do that one those ones by myself i'll be taking solo my yearly sub- i'll be taking my yearly sabbatical in aruba <laughs> yeah use your pizza up, uh, up then you know because mm-hmm. i got us i got us yeah <laughs> yep aaron's got it handled Fellas, thank you so much for joining me once again on the Palace Pistons podcast. And thank you to our partners at Believe Network and our sponsors, Bet Online and Credit Karma, for their role in making today's show possible. Remember to use the code BELIEVE, B L E A V, for 50% uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online and head on over to palacepistons.com for our latest written work surrounding the Detroit Pistons, such as Jasper's review of Detroit's guards, including Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes, that just dropped on. Wednesday. Of course, we would be remiss. I completely forgot about this, and I'm very sorry. Pistons legend Bob Lanier passed away oh, uh, at the age yes. of 73. We should definitely mention that one of one of the premier athletes in Detroit sports history, period, not just Pistons, um, but one of the all-time greats in the league and certainly one, one of the all-time greats uh, for the city of Detroit. Absolutely. Uh, none of us were alive to see Bob Lanier play, but, you know, in addition to being uh, one of the best centers of all time, he also was a very philanthropic, philanthropic person. He was, he's been a part of the NBA for his, his entire time after he retired. Uh, he also punched Bill Lambeer directly in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, when I was looking up clips of Bob Lanier, that's one of the first things I saw is he quite literally took a hit from Bill Lambeer recoiled and then, uncoiled uh, a hook right into Bill Lambier's nose. He was a tough, tough, tough player. Um, yeah. And-, and, and Mike, you know, he never won much in Detroit, and that was always kind of one of the things that people brought him down for. But um, right. he was, when he was traded to Milwaukee, he was a part of some outstanding mid-'80s Milwaukee Bucks teams that could never yeah. quite make it over the hump. Uh, but I think we'd be remiss not to, not to mention his legacy as a winner. Uh, those were teams that were consistently winning close to 60 games every single year for about five years. And he was a big part of that. So I, I think that that's one of those things we should also mention. He was an amazing uh, individual, outstanding athlete in Detroit, but he also was a great team player uh, in Milwaukee as well. And uh, he, yeah, he, he'll be missed for sure. He created the NBA cares program, which we see every single year that that's, that's part, that's his, his, doing and he mm-hmm. and i wrote the article for palace pistons he was in a lot of philanthropic activities including keeping kids in school he was just a global ambassador for the sport so um we will uh, certainly keep our or keep his family in our in our thoughts and and all of the nba um he says he worked with a lot of a lot of people across the league to help expand the game that we get to podcast about um, that we get to talk about each week. So uh, rest in peace to Bob Lanier, one of the greats in Detroit sports history. On that more somber note, I'd like to thank Jasper Apollonia and Aaron Johnson for joining me on 
this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Bleak Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, and we will all see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.